If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? Hello to all my friends around the country who are dreaming of cooler days, drier nights, just, ugh, ugh, ugh. There he goes, not even 20 seconds into the show, talking about the weather again. Hello, everybody, I'm Jim Derry. Sports betting writer at the Times Picayune, the advocate, and bet.nola.com. And this is a special Datitude on a Thursday morning. That's right, Thursday, boys and girls, August the 18th, 2022. I've got something going on tomorrow. A special person in my life is having his 80th birthday, and I've got to make a quick trip to Florida. So um, I will be leaving early early Friday morning, so we're going to do the show on a Thursday. I hope that's okay with everyone. It's going to be an interesting show. We talked to Catherine Terrell of ESPN, the Saints beat reporter. She's been a Saints beat reporter for much of her career here at the Times-Picayune, then at ESPN, then at The Athletic, squeezed the stint of covering the Cincinnati Bengals in her career, and now she's back at ESPN as their beat reporter, and you will see her plenty on the air, both on ESPN and probably quite a few local outlets around town. Um, and we're glad to have Cat on coming on in a few minutes. We talk about a lot of things, really. Uh, Saints training camp, preseason a little bit. We didn't really talk about last week. Uh, it kind of got into some of the conversations a little bit. But uh, what, did, what did we think about last week? Uh, I'll talk about that a little bit in my monologue. And uh, so I was going to talk about Jameis Winston and his Injury and where we are with that. Dennis Allen, how he's coming along and put, trying to put his stamp on things. And we uh, talk about Paulson Adebo and we finish it up with getting her prediction on the Saints. Is I mean, I, I think anyone that's looked through any predictions of the local media thus far, Jeff Duncan ran something uh, last week getting predictions from the local media and Scares the hell out of me that everyone thinks the Saints are going to be good. I, I mean, not so much uh, because, I mean, it makes better stories. People want to listen to Datitude more if the Saints are good. Um, nobody wants to hear me be Derry Downer again. But I, certainly no one wants to hear me be pissed off because I've got a lot invested <laughs> with this betting thing on the New Orleans Saints. I just don't see how they don't win more than eight games. I mean... Come on. I don't want to give away my uh, spoiler alert on the Saints preview coming out on September the 2nd, a week from Friday. Oh, wait, is it two weeks from, two weeks from Friday? Um, so I don't want to give that away just yet, but uh, I think we're, we all know where I'm going with this. But Jameis Winston, foot, not playing again this week, didn't play last week. Is it a big deal? Not really. But is it a big deal if he doesn't play again next week? Well, that's something we'll talk about next week. I have no idea who my guest is next week yet. We'll talk about that then. But, I mean, at some point you do have to worry. 
if you're a Jameis fan and if you're like me, I I love the way that Andy Dalton played in his one series last week. I thought the offense was crisp. Um, everyone who was on the field looked good in that first team on both sides of the ball, really. But it's the Texans, and I'm not sure how much you can tell from a one preseason game and all you Jameis haters out there, stop wishing for him not to play because that's a bad thing. If for any other reason, the depth at quarterback it goes significantly south if Jameis Winston is not able to play in week one and then possibly beyond. Because I'm going to tell you, if he can't play in week one, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. I don't want to jump the gun. I I get the sense from most of my friends in the business that he'll be just fine and he will be out there week one. But you do have to start wondering about it at some point with the regular season beginning just three weeks away now. Three weeks. That's hard to believe. We've had some fun shows here the past few weeks, and it seems like we were just talking to Mickey Loomis in June. And so the regular season will be here before we know it. Uh, last week's preseason game, like I said, I thought the defense was phenomenal, um, really, until that last lapse of whatever, uh, just whiff. Um, I thought the defense was excellent, both the first team and the second team, and really a lot of the third team. They're going to be a lot of tough cuts to make, and I'm glad I don't have to make them. So Dennis Allen and company are in great position there. There's a lot of guys we didn't see last week. It be interesting to see if we see this week. Uh, Saints holding joint team practices in Green Bay at Lambeau Field. Um, saw a nice little clip of Jameis on the field in uniform talking to Aaron Rodgers. And um, sure, that was probably an interesting conversation. Uh, Would have liked to have been a little birdie on the football there. And uh, hear, hear what those two guys have to say. But uh, should be fun. I think this week will be a little bit more interesting. I think you'll see a lot more of Andy Dalton. Um, I think K.J. Costello is going to get on the field at quarterback at some point, but we need to see more of Ian Book. I have had just, I've had so many texts last week and so many people come up to me and talk to me, it's time to cut Ian Book. He's a bum. We don't know that. You don't know that. You can't tell that from the little bit that we've seen so far. Um, did he play well? No, he played awful. But that doesn't mean that he's going, he's, not going to be able to be a serviceable quarterback in some capacity for this franchise or potentially another one at some point. I mean, we just haven't seen enough of them. A couple preseason games and one regular season game behind a fourth-string offensive line where he was thrown to the wolves because he had to be tells us nothing. Nothing. And so let's don't count our chickens yet. And um, if he turns out not to be an NFL quarterback, well, we'll find out soon enough. But I don't think he's going to get cut. I think he's going to spend another year in the practice squad. Uh, I don't see him being um, on active rosters unless they need to, which they very well may need to if Jameis Winston isn't ready. Um, and K.J. Costello will probably also end up on that practice squad, I would guess. Uh, you also start looking at waiver wires. I mean, we talk about this with Cat coming up, but, you know, the problem is, in part, the Saints don't have a lot of cap space. 
It's not like they're going to be able to, and they don't have any draft picks to, to trade, not ones that they'll need to go get somebody like a Jimmy Garoppolo. If you're thinking about that, it ain't going to happen. So it's kind of hope the best for Jameis. Hope he starts week one. And hope Ian Book progresses and hope he can get out enough out of this preseason to show that he can be serviceable and be a key part of what this team's going to need. So we'll find out soon enough. All right, let's get to our guest. Um, again, Kat has been, I've known her since she started here at the Times Picayune as a young Cub NFL beat reporter. Oh, quite a few years ago now. Seems like yesterday, but when you get to be my age, a lot of things seem like yesterday. We know that it wasn't. Uh, but we have a great talk. All Saints, all day, or all morning here on Datitude. Welcoming into the Datitude Podcast, this special Thursday morning edition, Catherine Terrell of ESPN, my former colleague and my friend, who we haven't seen a lot of each other lately, but I know things have been crazy for you. And Kat, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I know. I feel like I haven't seen you in forever, um, which is just sad. Uh, it is. Together a million years ago. A lot of jobs ago, I guess. A lot of jobs ago for both of us. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad to see, you know, I, I'm glad to see you left the Bengals right before they went to the Super Bowl. You know? And right before they signed all those LSU players. <laughs> I mean, your timing is impeccable. Well, you know, Marvin Lewis used to say I was the curse, so I, guess, like, I cursed them when I left. I, I don't know. Well, ho- hopefully you haven't cursed the Saints. I don't think that's true. Because I don't think a, I have. I mean, they no. had a winning record, um, you know, as soon as I got back. They made the playoffs. Exactly. I don't think I don't think it can be my fault. I wasn't there for the no call, so I, I think I can't be the curse. I was there, so maybe I'm the curse. I don't know. But, uh, so, blame it on me. I don't care. Um, back at ESPN and covering the Saints, I know uh, you know you were covering the Saints for the Athletic. You've been between ESPN and Athletic, and back with us at Times Picayune in the day. Like we said, lots of jobs. Uh, how is life uh, back at ESPN and back covering the Saints for ESPN? Well, it's been great. Um, it's still a little surreal, honestly. Um, it just it, this whole summer's been a whirlwind. So it feels weird still a little bit to say I work at ESPN again. Um, but I think that's kind of part, partly because of training camp, um, your head and mind, it just all blurs together and you can't tell one day from another. Uh, it gets easier, you know, when you're, you know, this, when, when you're on the regular season schedule and then you know what day it is because you know what the access is like that day and all of that stuff. But hey, we're getting there. Um, so, you know, happy to take a break for a few days from just the endless rain and standing outside in the rain, right. but it really has been great. I'm just kidding around. It's, uh, it's been good so far. Well, it, uh, it has been an interesting off season. You come in at, at quite a busy time and, um, what, what is different for you so far that, you know, I, I know you've been doing this for a decade or so and. What's different this NFL season, maybe uh, uh, some of the ones you've had in the past and especially the recent past? Well, obviously, uh, Dennis Allen being the coach is the big difference. Um, I don't get yelled at now for asking about injuries. Um, I I, I know you you probably haven't listened to a lot of my shows, but you come up quite a bit because (laughs) Sean Payton, especially last year, and, uh, you know, I've had many shows when I've, you know, 
Why were you Sean Payton, seemed to be Sean Payton's whipping boy, a whipping girl, I guess. Well, so I'll tell you a story, and you may have already heard this story. Um, back when I first started, you know, uh, in 2013, I was uh, 23 years old. It was my first real year on the beat. I had kind of been around 2012, but most of the major players weren't around, obviously, because of Bounty Gate, and I wasn't a full-time beat writer. Um, so let's just say that I was encouraged by one of our bosses to, you know, be the person that asked the injury questions. Um, and they also wanted me to ask it first, like right off the bat. You know, I was supposed to lead off the press conference with the tough questions. So, you know, it was a way of toughing me up. I guess I was so young. But I will say it did not put me on the right foot with Sean Payton. Like, it immediately, he, um, I, he was not my biggest fan. I'll put it that way. But um, that, you know, changed pretty quickly, or at least um, in the offseason, I feel like, you know, we had a good talk about it, and, you know, things were fine uh, ever since then, really. I mean, yeah, he would still get annoyed with me, remember? Um, the Brandon Brown. Brandon Brown, I was going to bring that up, and you brought it up first. Go write a blog about it, Kat. It's funny, and I was, I did. Um, <laughs> God, that that incident was surreal, especially because it had to do with me. But I was just kind of standing there witnessing it. Uh, my jaw probably dropped. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in a locker room before. You know, you hear stories about players and uh, reporters getting into it, but you rarely see it. I've seen a, something like it actually a little bit um, in recent years, but really, like I could count on one hand. Um, so yeah, that was pretty funny. And 2015. I'm, that was 2015. Uh, yeah. Uh, was it 15 or no? It was yeah, 15. It was 15. It was the year that I was doing the black and gold today. Right. I made a big deal about it. Oh man. That was Not at your expense at Sean Payton's expense because he thought Brandon Brown actually played well in that Carolina game. I, you know, okay. Well, you know, well. I actually might be mixing up Browner stories, uh, because the go write a blog about it was not about the report, the incident with a reporter. It was about him yelling at one of the coaches on the sideline, which I don't think happened in that same game. So I think I'm, again, I'm blurring them together because um, we talked to Sean Payton before we go in the locker room usually, so it would have been two different incidents. I don't know if we ever asked him about uh, that one. Well, now that he's probably a lot more friendly to you and just more friendly in general that he's not coaching anymore, maybe you can ask him. (laughs) I'm sure he would have things to say about those <laughs> 14 and 15 uh, were so crazy. I just tell him to go coach a game about it. <laughs> well, he probably will uh, at some point. Yeah, probably will pretty soon in the future. Um, I am interested to see how he does on TV though. Uh, that'll be exciting. Yeah. May- he's going to be in your world now. So maybe he'll ask you for some tips. Who knows? All right, let's get into these current New Orleans Saints. And, uh, you know, you touched on it, and Dennis Allen is a little bit different than Sean Payton, and, and just a little bit. Um, what have what has been the biggest difference so far, not just for you guys out there covering the team on a daily basis, but what have you seen different in Dennis Allen that is going to lead you to believe that this team uh, maybe takes on a different personality? Well, this is just a random observation, and it could be a, co- a complete coincidence. But I have noticed that Dennis Allen has drawn a line in the sand regarding practice fights. Um, He has made it clear, if you fight in practice, you're going to get thrown out now. 
And I don't know that I've ever seen that. I mean, it could be a coincidence, just maybe there's more fights than normal this year for whatever reason. Uh, obviously, Trevor Panning got into it with the with Malcolm Roach and a, a few other players, and uh, then they had um, a fight uh, last week, and then there was apparently uh, one at Green Bay you know, that involved Jarvis Landry, and Landry was kicked out of practice. So the message to me is it doesn't matter who you are. You break the rules, you're going to be kicked out of practice, uh, which is interesting. And honestly, probably a good thing. It kind of shows, hey, I'm going to lay down the law here. I, I, I think it's always a fine line for a coach. You need to earn your players' respect, but they also can't walk all over you. Uh, so people have been wondering, you know, Sean Payton is a different personality from Dennis Allen, and he's been uh, in New Orleans so long. Do they listen to Dennis Allen like they listen to Sean Payton? And I think that answer is probably yes. Uh, I think his defense respects him. I think you could see that long before the possibility of him being a head coach again came up. So, you know, I, I think that's a good thing. But I think Allen has learned a lot from his first time around. Obviously, the Oakland tenure was a disaster. I don't think that that was solely on him. I think we've all heard the story. You know, there was a new owner, a new GM, just a lot of new voices coming in, and he was very young. I kind of, it kind of hit me today or this week when he was talking about how his son is up in Green Bay with him. And he's about to go off to college. And, you know, when he was in Oakland, his children were very little. So, um, you know, time passes. And I think that he deserves a second chance. I'm kind of excited to see what he does with it. And I know when he was hired, a lot of people um, kind of scoffed at that. And, you know, time is going to tell how it turns out. But there's been coaches that got second chances, and it worked out great. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, so far, so good, I think, at least from my perspective. Well, he's not the only one. I mean, you got Josh McDaniel, Josh McDaniels in Vegas. You got Lovey Smith in Houston. I mean, retread city. Why? Why not? I mean, I, I am actually, you know, I've been on on record saying that obviously Dennis Allen it was the clear choice for for this job, and if for nothing else, because he has been in the system for so long. And there's one thing we've learned about Mickey Loomis and this organization is, you know, they like things to be status quo, and why not? I mean, if when you've had the success this team's had, other than that seven and nine stretch, I mean, why not keep it? Keep things as close to the uh, as close to normal as you can. Yeah, at least why not try it? You, there was a good thing going, and obviously, there's no Drew Brees anymore. I mean, right. That's a whole different ball game. But the organization found the road to success. Now, whether that was only because of Sean Payton and Drew Brees, we're going to find out in the years to come. But I think that it's more than that. I think that it's so hard to be a coach when you know the rug is going to be yanked out from under you. I mean, yep. you need time to, to do these things. And the Saints have kind of, you know, said, hey, we're going to support you. They, they supported Sean Payton through thick and thin, and they're going to give Dennis Allen his time too. And when you have a stable front office, stable ownership, it makes all the difference in the world. It doesn't mean it's automatically going to translate to results, but it gives you the backbone for that to be possible. So, yeah, I, I understood why they did it. I mean, we'll again, we'll see, you know, if it works with sticking with Pete Carmichael and, and going and getting Doug Marone and keeping most of the assistants. Uh, maybe it doesn't, but even if it doesn't work this year, I just I don't really see this team as a team that's going to suddenly plummet to the bottom of the division. I think there's a lot of 
or there were a lot of thoughts out there that the team was going to be really bad, or at least from national reporters, and I never really agreed with that. I see this team basically like I saw last year's team, and that's a team that could make a playoff run or at least be around that same record that they had last year. Yeah, there's no reason to think. I mean, the fact that they were 9-8 and eight with all the issues that they had last year, and I don't get, you know, we do, you know, this podcast isn't necessarily about betting, but we certainly talk about it. I'm a sports betting writer. We have to talk about it. And the over-under at, at eight wins or eight and a half wins at some places, I never, it was seven and a half when I got it. I just don't, I just don't understand what makes odds makers, what makes media, what makes national pundits think that this team is going to be worse than they were last year. I know Sean Payton being gone is, is a big deal, but you talk about, a whole new receiving core you get, which is, to me, one of the best in the NFL. Uh, you got Alvin Kamara, and it's looking like now for good chances the whole season. I, I just And a defense that could be the number one defense in the NFL. I don't get it. Yeah, absolutely. And, look, I mean, there are issues. Uh, they're not any surprise. They don't have much linebacker depth, and their best players on defense are getting older. So it really is going to hinge on whether those older players have another year in them. And that has nothing to do with Dennis Allen. I mean, you can't predict at what point Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, those guys decline. I mean, really, it's coming down to that on defense. Or maybe that's too simplistic. You know, they they have very good defensive backs. I've seen really great things out of Paulson Adebo that make me think, okay, well, maybe he can take a step forward this year. Um, but, you know, injuries and age, uh, that's, you know, one big question mark, but that's a lot of teams. Offensively, I think that if Jameis stays healthy, they should be better. Their receiving group is miles better than it was last yeah. year. And as you said, Kamara's court date has already been put back to September. Maybe it gets pushed back again. These things take a long time to process, which is why I've always kind of thought if he got suspended, it would be at the end of the year or next year. Uh, the NFL is unpredictable with that, but usually they try to let the court cases play out. So um, there are good and bad things, but a lot of good, I think. Speaking of the offense, uh, Jameis Winston uh, just announced that he is going to not play in this preseason game. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big of a deal that he's not playing in the preseason game. I don't think it's unexpected besides the foot. Do you really want to mess with his knee in a preseason game? We may not see him at all in the preseason but as you know, as someone who watches this team on a day-to-day basis, do you do you find concern with that? Um, now that we are getting closer and closer to the season, obviously there's a better backup this year in Andy Dalton. But are you concerned that Jameis Winston might not be ready for Week One? Uh, that's a great question. No, I think he's on the right track. Obviously you never want to see your quarterback get hurt. And the saints have been until the last few years of the breeze era, very, very lucky in that regard. So maybe until, you know, what, 2019, uh, all of us just weren't used to seeing uh, a saints quarterback or get injured or a backup. But I think if it's, this is going to be the injury, it's, they escaped the worst. I think the fact that, Jameis was out there at practice on Wednesday doing walkthrough, good sign, all part of the ramp-up process they've been doing for every player. I'm with you. I don't think it matters if he plays in preseason game number two. I don't think he would have played much in that game anyway. I think it matters a little bit for the third one. I agree. Because there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, Michael Thomas, you want more time with him, although you know maybe they – 
baby is the wrong word, but maybe they baby him too and kind of, you know, try not to force that issue. But really, ultimately, health matters more than anything with your most important players. If they think Michael Thomas's health is more important than him playing in the third preseason game, I agree. Um, I mean, which it is. Right. But really, same with Jameis. I, you know, it's funny. I was saying about Dalton, once Jameis got hurt, I was saying they really shouldn't play Dalton much in that first preseason game because we can see at practice kind of how they're gelling. I didn't personally feel like, feel like I needed to see much from Dalton. Um, and now that he's QB one now, he can't get hurt either. So really, the one you want to see for, for purposes of evaluating him is Ian Book. For purposes of team chemistry, you want Jameis to play, but you know maybe it happens game three, maybe it doesn't. I'm going to say fifty fifty at this point. I've had this question posed to me at least six times in the last week and a half, um, so I'm going to pose it to you. Um, if something, if Jameis just isn't ready, which is a possibility, and something were to ha- happen to Andy Dalton, um, uh, it, the Saints get put in a. I, I know there are so many Saints fans who keep who are still on the Taysom train. Would you please tell them it's not going to happen? I think Dennis Allen's made it pretty clear that's not how he sees Taysom. The pro, the problem is. Do you want Taysom out there or do you want Ian Book? I mean, if that's the situation and they're both seriously hurt, then go get another quarterback. I, I don't know yes, how they're going to That's what I said. They don't have a first-round pick next year. Um, you know that I'm ca- Mrs. Cap Woman or whatever, but even I haven't, evaluated, I haven't looked at the cap space lately because it had gotten um, pretty slim <laughs> back in pre-agency, so I kind of stopped tracking it every day. So I don't know how much cap room they have, and they don't have that much capital. Uh, so I don't know who they'd get, but I'd take my chances with Taysom over Ian Book right now, uh, to be completely honest. I'd also take my chances with whatever lands on the waiver wire. Before yeah. Probably either one of those. I mean, some, some quarterback's going to land on the waiver wire. Yeah, I just don't know who it would be. I haven't really been paying that much attention to other teams' camps outside of, you know, the Panthers' camp had a huge fight on yeah. Wednesday that um, made all the Saints' fights look incredibly tame <laughs> in comparison. I mean, they fell on top of a fan. Um, so, yeah, that sparked my attention. Um, obviously, Garoppolo was always out there, but, again, space uh, and, and draft picks. Uh, so, you know, for the sake of the fans, let's hope this doesn't happen. But I actually thought you were going to ask me what happens if Andy Dalton has to go out there week one. And I was going to say, I feel like I covered the last really good game of the Dalton era, and it happened against the Falcons um, in 2018, I believe. That's a uh, shame. Yeah, he uh, had an 18-play drive to uh, score a touchdown to A.J. Green. Joe Mixon was hurt that day and was, like, running down the sidelines. It was just fantastic win. They thought they were going to take that and go beat the Steelers, and then, um, like, half their offense got hurt. Uh, Tyler Eifert got hurt that day. Their, their other running back, it was crazy. But it, Andy Dalton has played very well against the Falcons. Um, I was about to say the Georgia Dome. Um, Andy, Andy Dalton has never really been – in the exact right situation. It seems like, you know, when things look like they're going to get right, their defense stinks. Or, look, I love Marv Lewis. <clears throat> I think overall he's a great guy. I'm just not sure that he was the right head coach and they that 
maybe that's not the way to put it. Maybe his his welcome got worn out a little bit there towards the end, and I think a lot of fans were hoping that he would go a little bit earlier than he did. So I'm not sure that Andy Dalton was ever in the right situation. Certainly last year with the Bears was not the right situation. So maybe this is the right time for him, and if something happens to Jameis, he's in a great spot. Well, he was in 2015. Granted, that was a very long time ago in NFL years. But in 2015, he uh, the year before I started covering the Bengals, he actually was very fit. A lot of his teammates were saying they thought he was playing at MVP level. You know, of course, your teammates are going to say things like that. But he actually was playing very well. Uh, the team was playing great, and then he got hurt. And then everyone knows the disastrous uh, playoff game. Um, which had nothing to do with him, yeah. the way it ended against the Steelers and, and things like that. Um, in that first month of 2018, um, I thought they were playing really well, and it all fell apart, and then everyone knows the rest of the story. I think he's a very good backup. I think that he could do well in the Saints offense. I think he has his flaws. Uh, if you've watched him, you know that. Um, last two years, as you've said, very different situations from this one. He's looked good in practice, but – um, you know, obviously, I think people would hope that Winston would get his opportunity to play the whole season out. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. You don't often. Uh, oh, Kat, don't be naive. There are some Jameis haters out there. So don't be naive. I mean, you know, it, it, it boggles the mind. It really it's amazing how that happens, right? It really boggles the mind. That's a whole nother story. The quarterback is the most um, popular person on the team. I don't know why I said um. It took me a second to remember the rest of that phrase. I remember the Jarrett Lee days at LSU. Oh, God, do I. Everyone said he needed to play, even though. Not this alum. Him <laughs> the year this alum wasn't saying that. I got in quite a few arguments about Jarrett Lee. He and, uh, his freshman year. I felt so bad for that kid. I was a uh, freshman the same year he was. Oh, wow. I mean, people were relentless. It was they really, they really were. I, I mean, I wasn't trying to be. A good thing there wasn't social media. If there was, there wasn't a lot of it back then because there was Twitter. But I tweeted like nine times from 2008 to 2000. I think my first tweet was in 20. I don't know, 11 or 12 when they made me get Twitter. <laughs> I was forced into Twitter, and now I'm embrace it. So yeah, I think old I dogs can learn new tricks. Our mouth. So sorry, everyone. That's okay. Um, let's talk about a little bit about which, you know, we touched on the, the skill players and, and the one in particular, there's just Michael Thomas. There was so much Michael Thomas talk in the very beginning of camp. People were so excited to see him out there. And now I haven't heard a whole lot about him. What What's going on with Michael Thomas these past couple weeks? Honestly, the probably the only reason the talk has died down, at least from fans, is because, unfortunately – Fans have barely gotten to see him because yeah. every single day they try to have fans out at the Saints facility. It rains and they have to go inside, uh, which I felt terrible for people that would come out there and didn't even get to see the team. And then now they're in Green Bay. So fans haven't really gotten to watch him that much. Uh, reporters have, even though he kind of took them a while to ramp up. And I think all signs are positive. I think that sometimes we lean too much on what a player looks like in camp especially receivers, you know, they catch a nice pass. We think they're the greatest thing ever. That happens all the time. We already know Michael Thomas is very good. But I think with him is that he's done it every day. There's not been a day that he went out there and I thought, oh, doesn't look good today. I think every day 
He's looked like his old self. He trusts his ankle, which is big. You know, he's been hitting the ground at times when going to catch a pass, which is good. He needs to be tested like that, even though ideally you don't want to hit the ground in training camp. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's a good thing for him. And even Dennis Allen said that. I think that he's shown signs of the old Michael Thomas, and he's kind of alluded to that too when he talked in Green Bay. I don't know how that translates to the regular season, but I could say that about anyone. I just think right now it's all very good signs. And he doesn't have to do it himself. That's the biggest thing. He has other receivers next to him that he didn't have before. I mean, remember when everyone was dying to get Emmanuel Sanders before they actually got him? I mean, they needed someone next to him. And even when they had Emmanuel Sanders, he and Thomas almost never played together. I think it was one game, maybe two. I mean, they really didn't overlap because those things kept happening, injuries and everything that year. So next, him and Alave and Jarvis Landry, I think is a really good combination. So uh, that's my long-winded way of saying so far so good. And I think the Saints are going to continue to hope the ankle holds up. They, they truly could have the best threesome of receivers in the NFL. I, I, I really believe that. I mean, there are some other teams that are close, but, I, I you know, what would the Packers do with this threesome of receivers? I mean, they, they'd die for any of these three guys. So. I'd love to have them just based on his comments this week. There's no question about that. Uh, this defense, the, obviously, you know, you touched on Paulson Adebo and how, how – well, he's looked, and I, I think I've heard the name Paulson Adebo more the past two and a half weeks than on any other Saint, and that includes Jameis Winston and Dennis Allen, for that matter. It's it's interesting. Um, what about him specifically has, you know, kind of touched the reporters and uh, to everyone's mentioned him? Uh, what, what has been so great about what he's done so far? Well, it was around this time last year. I can't remember the date that Patrick Robinson retired. Yeah. And Robinson wasn't even the first choice for cornerback. I think Robinson was like the third corner that year. I mean, it was uh, kind of, I'm acting like it was a million years ago, but they went through corner after corner and then Robinson retired and then they had to go get Roby who couldn't play week one. Right. And so Adebo was playing by default. I don't really remember that much from him in camp. Certainly nothing like this year. I'm, I think he was fine, but I wouldn't have said, oh, man, that guy needs to be the starter. And last year, I think he played well, but I thought there's a lot of room for growth and that he could be pushed by some of the other cornerbacks. And, you know, it's only his second year. I think that that's natural. And yet, you know, he gets to camp, and he's just making play after play. He's constantly around the ball. He plays well in one-on-ones. He's had a lot of pass breakups. He's had some interceptions. And it's kind of similar to what I was saying about Michael Thomas. He does it day after day, and that's what you want to see. You want to see consistency. And he's kind of made it so that people aren't really talking about Bradley Roby anymore, which is interesting considering that was a guy that was supposed to be the starter last year. He kind of made Roby not a non-factor. I think Roby's made a lot of nice plays in camp, um, but he made him not so needed this year. And I think uh, you saw that when I think they redid his contract in the spring. Um, He wasn't vital anymore. And so it's what you want to see from a second-year player. Um, All good things. Um, I think he's really improving a lot. Also find it interesting that because he's doing so well, we don't hear anything about Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, he the number one corner, one of the top corners in the league. You're not even hearing anything about him because Adebo's doing so well. 
I think also uh, since Latimer was hurt yeah. um, and kind of eased back in a little bit, you haven't really heard much from him. I think people expect Lattimore to be good, and so they're just not so focused on him. At least that's a lot of times how I guess I approach camp. Right. I mean, I want to see players that we're looking at to take the next big step or maybe players that had had some trouble and need a good year. You're not always watching someone like Lattimore because you already know he's good. So you're going to be watching Paulson Adebo. I'm not really watching Demario Davis every snap in practice, but when Pete Werner was playing, he's injured right now. When he was playing, you know, I'd watch him. Uh, just things like that. So, yeah, I, I honestly, before we talked, I was thinking, you know, it's weird how little we've talked about Lattimore this entire camp other than to note that he's been hurt. Before I let you go, I want to get your prediction on uh, the season. I know you've already given it to, to Duncan, but I'm going to talk to you about it anyway. The one thing that scares me, you know, I got, I told my boss, Zach Ewing, yesterday, um, I've, I, I've been called Derry Downer. I call it as I see it. If I think they stink, I tell you they stink. If, they're, if I think they're good, I tell you they're good. I try to keep my personal feelings just because I've lived in this town for 53 years doesn't mean that. I can't separate uh, my personal feelings from what I see. And, I, and what I see is I don't understand anyone that thinks that this team, at le- barring unforeseen injuries or something stupid happening or another hurricane and they got to go away or whatever, I don't understand how this team doesn't win at least nine games. And if they don't, I'm going to be broke. I'm just going to probably put it that way. So, I mean, but the one thing that scares me more than anything is everyone in the local media thinks that there wasn't a single reporter out of the 28 or 30 people that Jeff Duncan polled that said they were going to be worse than 9-8, and eight. and that scares the hell out of me. Okay, well, let me explain that a little bit. First of all, none of us knew uh, what everyone else picked. We did not really talk about it, and this was all individual. Uh, Jeff, you know, probably rolled his eyes at me because I'm sure he feels like 10-7 <laughs> is hedging. Well, it's what I picked last year. And the reason I picked this record is because, I mean, I'm a straight shooter. You know me. Like, if I think the team's not going to be good, I'm going to say they're not good. I'm not a homer. I'm just going to say what I think. Well, I think that I see this team like I see them last year. And last year, they probably should have had a much bigger record, a bigger, yep. much better record if you don't count the Miami game, which all none of us ever want to remember again. And you could debate book. Carolina game. Um, <laughs> and you could debate the Giants game, although, you know, they deserved what they got for playing like that at the end. Uh, Carolina game was the other COVID game that no one even talks about anymore. I mean, they didn't have half their coaching staff. And maybe it wouldn't have changed a thing, but it does matter. And it, there were reasons why that team did not make the playoffs when they're uh, during the first half of that Falcons game a lot of us were discussing them making the playoffs because they had to depend on another team. So, look, injuries are going to happen. They happen every year. But that team really went through the ringer uh, between having to evacuate, having uh, their offensive line not play together the whole season, the COVID games, all of that. um, The team was better than its record said it was. And I don't think that this team has taken a noticeable nosedive since then, other than players getting older and Sean Payton not being here. Playoffs or no playoffs? Playoffs? I had Jim Moore on last week. I can't <laughs> help myself. 
That that is a little tougher because I think that I think that they're capable of making the playoffs. If there was no Tom Brady, it'd probably be a no-brainer. I mean, the division's not that good. Brady is really the only thing standing in the way of this division, and they have done very, very well against Brady, um, as many of them would probably point out, except, you know, obviously when it counted in the playoffs. So they know how to beat Tom Brady. The Falcons aren't good. I don't really know what the Panthers are going to be like this year. So they have a very real chance of winning this division. I think that I think they will be there in the end. I don't know if they make the playoffs or not. Like I said, I'm probably hedging too much and I'm probably basing it too much on last year, but I could just see it playing out very close to how it played out um, in 2021 without 20 players missing from the roster because of COVID. God forbid. Let's hope. Let's hope. Oh God. Yeah. I don't know. I, I shouldn't do even, that again. I shouldn't even like breathe that into the air. Cause I never want that to happen. Yeah. Again. You don't want you don't like fake crowd noise and <laughs> empty it feels, stadiums. It feels like I, so long ago. It really does. It and does. I, we thought it was. I, I think we thought it was interesting at first because it was different, and we don't see teams play in front of empty stadiums and, and whatever. It got old so fast. I missed the crowd probably by quarter two of the first game that um, they played without a crowd in front of it. But it feels like my life now. The worst part is it, at some point it started feeling normal and that's not good. Yeah. You don't want that to feel normal, you know? But you also don't want to feel so normal again that you forget that's everything true. you went through a year ago. I mean, I feel like people move on very quickly and in some ways that's good, but in other ways you kind of start to forget all the things that happened and led us to that point. So, you know, my hope is just for a, healthy year, a good year and, and a fun team to cover. I just, I always want, whether they're really bad or really good, I always just want a fun team to cover and to give readers some good stories. Well, it'll be interesting. First year with Dennis Allen, you know, I feel, I start to feel older and older. I mean, when Sean Payton came into this thing, I was in my thirties. That seems like you want to talk about something that seems like forever ago. That seems like forever ago. I'm guessing you were in your teens. Uh, in 2006, yes, I was 16. So now I really feel we feel younger after you know mentioning that I covered the league for a decade. So <laughs> also great. Well, you know, if I got to be old, everybody else has got to be old too. But you're way younger than me. You got a long way to go to to think about that. Catherine Hedge Terrell here on the Datitude Podcast. We there's certainly thank you for taking time out on this Thursday morning. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Talk to you soon. Glad to have Cat on. I hadn't, um, I don't remember the last time I saw Cat in person. I saw her at a LSU baseball game maybe four or five years ago. But I think I've seen her since then. I don't know. All these days and years and months run into one another. But uh, I have talked to her a couple times and we've texted a few times here and there. But Glad to have her back on the beat for ESPN. And, uh, yeah, I, I think I ran into her last year at, at the Saints-Cowboys game briefly. Uh, but you know how things get crazy when you're – well, you don't know, I guess. But when you're covering a game, you don't get a lot of chance to, to chat with your media brethren unless you're kind of like hanging around early or hanging around late. It doesn't happen a lot. But uh, glad to have her on. 
That is going to about wrap up the show. It's been fun. We thank Kat for coming on. And uh, before I leave, uh, I do have a personal note. Um, you know, we talked about some last week's show about, you know, celebrity deaths and um, just the unfortunate passing of Vince Scully and Olivia Newton-John. I even talked about Roger Mosley, uh, who played TC on Magnum P.I. while I had one hit a lot closer to home this past weekend. Uh, really dear friend of mine, Billy Ragusa, um, passed away. Uh, for those of you around the New Orleans metro area, if you went to Ragusa's restaurant back in the day uh, on Severn, um, Billy owned Ragusa's from wonderful deli-type food and plate lunches and had an awesome muffalata, and we got to be friends when I moved to Metairie back in 99, and we remained friends for the rest of his life. And uh, we didn't get to be in touch as much as I would have liked to the last few years. We did talk uh, a decent... We, we text each other once every month or so, and um, but we used to spend a lot of time together. And uh, we went to lunch not too long ago, and um, it was great to see him. He had some health issues and uh, thought he was past all that, and guess not. Guess uh, the big guy upstairs had different plans. And I was trying to think about what my out song was going to be today, and uh, I think I thought, let's honor Billy. And, uh, you know, back in the day, we used to do a lot of karaoke, and Billy was an awful singer. I mean, when he grabbed the mic, you really needed to find the earplugs. But it was fun nonetheless, and his go-to song was Friends in Low Places. And uh, what other better way to honor him by playing it here? I mean, he loved him, some country music. He loved Garth Brooks. And uh, we had a lot of fun when this song played. Or, yeah, we tried to have fun when he sang it again with earplugs in. We salute you, Billy Ragusa. And it reminds us to all, every day, hug the ones you love. And the ones you don't, you know what? Be nice to them, too. Because uh, it all comes back in the end, right? We'll see you next Friday when we talk more about the Saints. We talk about their second preseason game. And look ahead to preseason game number three, the final preseason game on the books. Peace and love, my friends. Oh!